Welcome to Growing in the Gospel with Father Zach Weber. It is the third Sunday of Easter. Hope you're doing well, Father Zach here, and we're going to get into our Gospel this week. Uh, third Sunday of Easter, and this week we jump right into Luke 24, 13 through 35. So as always, get out your Bible, call upon the Holy Spirit, and don't be afraid to press pause during this podcast to get yourself ready for Mass on Sunday. And uh, before we go into that, just want to say, uh, for those of you who are persevering, who are not giving up hope, um, who are still doing your best to have spiritual communion at home and praying at home, just want to say, keep up the good work. It really means a lot to your priests. And um, as we go into this gospel, this is one of my favorite gospels because it's also the reason why we named our um, Adoration Chapel, Emmaus Adoration Chapel in Anago here. So uh, we praise the Lord for this time and we just call upon the Holy Spirit and we jump right into our gospel, which again is Luke 24, 13 through 35, which is the story, uh, um, the road to Emmaus. That very day, the first day of the week, the two, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. And they were conversing about all the things that had, taken, that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes prevented them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said to him in reply, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, What sort of things? They said to him, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in word and deed before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some of our women from our group have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the woman had described, but they did not see him. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on further. But they urged him, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, that the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem, where they were found gathered with the eleven and those with them were saying, The Lord has truly been raised, 
and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way, and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. I love this gospel. I could just go on and on and on, but you know, a lot of people, you know, saw Jesus before this, but the thing is their hearts never burned when they were with him. And it all um, comes down to the resurrection. So when we read Luke's gospel, um, we need to know that all of Luke's gospel, the resurrection stories happen on the same day. And just notice how the, the two travelers, and they're not out for an idle stroll. They're not just ho-hum, let's go for a walk. The fact that there are two of them probably indicates that they are Christian missionaries. So remember, Jesus said, go out by twos. And in Luke's gospel, um, avoiding Jerusalem is avoiding the true path of Christ. I think that's where a lot of us find ourselves. We don't want to go there, to our personal Jerusalems, that is. You know, it's fine if Jesus goes to Jerusalem and goes through what he has to go through because we kind of know the story. But his, his story, his resurrection, his life is made to men, it's, it's meant to make our hearts burn. So the whole gospel is a journey toward Jerusalem and your own gospel, your own story. Um, you know, the revelation of the cross takes place in Jerusalem and the story ends in Jerusalem. And you and I have to go there. We have to go and put ourselves on the cross and, and slay our egos. And they're on the road to Emmaus, but you know what? The weird thing about this thing is, is, is they never get there. Um, maybe the road, the, the story should be called like the road back to Jerusalem. Because Emmaus, uh, for what we believe, it's, it's within the walls of Rome and the way of the life of a Roman rule that, that symbolizes Roman rule. And the Lord, at the end of our gospel today, he just says, you know, he took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body which has been given to you. We read that in Luke twenty-two nineteen, And he said, do this in remembrance of me. So every time we, we, we break bread, celebrate the mass, we remember him. But these two disciples are remembering him in a different way. You know, it's unplanned, the accompanying of Jesus, often for a lot of us, and it often goes unrecognized. But there's a spiritual reason that they're not able to recognize Jesus as he walks with them. You know, they don't tell us how tall he was or what he weighed or um, what, what his color of his eyes were, because physical descriptions apply to individuals but not persons. And persons are not known by description but by action. And these two do not recognize Jesus. The reason is not, not because their eyes can't pick up his physical characteristics. They don't recognize him because they've forgotten his characteristic gesture. That he celebrated the Mass before he was crucified. They have forgotten this Eucharistic action. And that's what we need to remember, as, especially as Catholics and for those who are Protestant evangelicals, this is the gospel. You know, we're not just making this up. Um, and Jesus gave us a priesthood to continue to confect the Eucharist. You know, they, so they start asking Jesus questions as they're walking before he reveals himself in the Eucharist. And Jesus' question causes them to stop walking. Because they say, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? And he says, what things? 
and it stops them. You know, with this pandemic, it's a great time to really stop. Just stop and surrender to the present moment. Because whatever they were talking about, it's not causing them any, any happiness. And I wonder what people are doing right now um, in the midst of this, because the gospel is living. Remember, we, we believe in a living gospel, a living person. And in this story, we're not given the name of one of the travelers. We know Cleopas is one of them, but I think the other traveler is you. It's you. And Jesus is obviously the only one who knows what happened in Jerusalem. So his dialogue with these two people has a deeper meaning with the events because he knows exactly what happened. And when Jesus says what things, that's an invitation for you and I to talk to him. Tell him what you know about him. Not just these ideas, oh, he, he probably had brown hair and beautiful eyes. No, like, I mean, like, tell him your grief because that's what's happening because they stopped because they weren't happy. Tell him what's going on in your heart. So these two people unload their grief at length. And this is a true and partial appraisal of Jesus. So he's, they say that he's a prophet, you know. They, they hope that he was the one, but he was crucified. But they only remember him as a victim. And their lack of understanding is beginning to show. And they say that we hope that he was the one who was to redeem Israel. But you and I have to know that he was sent through Israel to all people. You know, he, he went with um, Gentiles, right? Even when he was pre-crucifixion, right? Pre-crucified, uh, pre-resurrection. And they, they mentioned that, it says, yes, and besides this, it's now the third day since these things took place. And the mention of the third day, we should get the impression that for them, it's not a simple matter of counting. For the number three is a factual statement. But the reader knows that the number three is symbolic. This is a day of revelation. This is a day they will understand. And maybe ask yourself, when was the day that you understood in a mysterious way that Jesus Christ was truly present in the Eucharist? Because amazement, awe, the first gift of the Holy Spirit is the first step in the process of spiritual perception. But it's only a first step. Eventually you want to see. And their predicament is that they can't see Jesus. But amazement by itself does not bring sight. And sight is what they need. They want to see. And as they go forward, and don't see him. They hear about the women that saw him, but they don't see him. He said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? So here you get a sense that Jesus is not happy. Talks about being fools in their hearts. So they are slow of heart. In the biblical spirituality, the heart is um, connected to the eyes. So when the heart burns, the fire actually pushes up the chest and flows out of the eyes, the spiritual heart that is. And this allows the person to see. And the eyes are like the headlights of a car. They are lit from within 
in order to peer into the darkness without any doubt. So when the fire in the heart dies down, which I fear happens to a lot of people, the person's sight dims and eventually goes out. So when people are not in touch with their deepest center, which is the heart, they can't see the events of life from a spiritual perspective. On the physical level, you know, you can have 20-20 vision. You can see great, I have 20-20 vision. But on a spiritual level, you can be spiritually impaired. And the path to spiritual sight is to stir the embers of the heart. Don't forget that. The path to spiritual sight is to stir the embers of the heart. Jesus seems to be saying, don't you see? It had to be this way. I had to suffer. However, at the moment they are not capable of understanding or comprehending his spiritual logic, he begins to go through the prophets and Moses. So these two are treated to a tour of Scripture by Christ himself. Could you imagine that Bible study? Like, get me some of that. And it's a part of storytelling um, that St. Luke uses well, but they don't tell us everything. And then they get the sense that he, he wanted to keep going and moving on after that. <clears throat> As if he wasn't happy, but they say, no, stay with us. And Jesus will tell you the truth with whomever he meets, if you invite him. And those who understand will follow along, and those who not will stop. You know, he said, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, they're all hungry. It's nighttime. It's time to eat. And they say, stay with us. And this has always been a special moment for Jesus. We read in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And if you let me in, I will sup with thee. I will eat with you. And he characterized himself in, as bread, the bread of life in John 6, over 10 times. So when people are hungry, he is eager to be with them. There's very little doubt about what he will do at supper. So while he's at table with them, and you and me at every Mass, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them, and at that their eyes were opened. Their hearts were opened. It was set on fire. The risen Christ did his job. And is there a spiritual meaning to Christ? It says that he disappeared in the bread. Uh, and if this story is a literary, for, literary form of geared to promote spiritual sensitivity, there is a reason for his sudden, sudden vanishing. So Christ becomes invisible as a character in the story when the truth of his identity is seen. And Christ always was and now is the ultimate source of wisdom and communion among his followers. And he is present wherever to call upon his name, right? And, and we just read that last week in Acts that, you know, the early church, they followed the teachings of the apostles, the breaking of the bread, the communal life and the prayers. And the, you know, it's like they, they broke bread, the Eucharist. And the key to finding the risen Christ is knowing where to look. Look to the tabernacle. Look to the church. Look to the Blessed Mother. She will lead you the truth.
open the scriptures, you know, and they say, we're not our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. So once the heart burns, the eyes are open to see the spiritual dimension of what is taking place. And it is only on the level of spirit that the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus can be understood. And it says that at that same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They got back on track. And that's what you and I need to do with those who have fallen away from the church. We've got to walk with those who are going the wrong direction. We've got to walk with those who don't believe in the Eucharist and, 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 and fight for them. With charity, of course, with humility. But when their hearts burn, their eyes are opened. And thus it should be for you and I. And the person who sacrifices all that is a person who has secret gratitude. Secret gratitude. And the Lord wants us to encounter him in that secret place. In that secret place. So, as we move forward, I'm going to play a song for you called On the Table, which is the altar. And that's what the Lord is. And he wants to encounter you first or re-encounter you first and then go out and tell others, especially when they're walking in the wrong direction to the Emmauses of the world, to be under the rule of the world. And we want to always be heading towards Jerusalem to re-encounter and encounter the Lord in his passion. Before he died, he broke bread. He celebrated Mass. We call it the Last Supper because it's, there's only one Mass that's ever been celebrated. And I could go on and on and on, but I'm going to get to the song. <laughs> On the Table by Joe Zambota. I hope it finds you well. And know of my prayers for you during this pandemic. Let's pray for this thing to end so we can get back to public worship. And know that our Lord is truly present in the Eucharist. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And here it is, it's on the Thought I guess I have to leave control. I leave.